In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of you may have heard or seen the British TV show called Call the Midwife. Now, I promise I'm not going to give away any real spoilers for those of you who, are not, who have not seen it. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to see it because it's good. But in the series, there is a particular episode which centers around an older woman who once lost her infant. And she is unexpectedly giving birth to another baby years after her loss. The woman is in a panic, and the midwives are trying to calm her down as she's going into labor. And as the midwife who first delivered her first child walks into the room, the woman locks eyes with her and through her tears said, you delivered my Lorna. I never thought I would have another child and I ne never stopped loving her. The way that she says it seems to suggest that she is worried that she will not have enough of herself or enough of her love to give her new baby. In response to her fears, Sister Julianne, the wise midwife, says something that has never left me. She said, you will always love her because love is never halved, but always doubled. Love is never halved, but always doubled. In other words, her love for her new child could never diminish the love she has for her first child, because that's not the way love works. Love is not a scarce resource which diminishes as we love others, but rather one which multiplies abundantly the more that we give it. And I think to some extent, this gospel reading this morning is pointing to this truth. For the next four weeks, and now this is a spoiler, we're going to be journeying through the sixth chapter of John's gospel. And these two miracles, these two signs, were placed here to introduce the dialogue and the discourse that follows. These miracles which point to the reality that through Jesus, God brings humanity out of scarcity and into the abundance of the kingdom, out of fear and into joy serve also to point to the truth that Jesus feeds his followers both through his teachings and revelations and through his willingness to give his whole self, his whole life, his whole body for his friends. But these miracles serve another purpose as well. In the time when Jesus walked the earth and these accounts were written about him, Miracles served as proof that a person was special. That is, these miracles in John's gospel not only work to reinforce Jesus' teaching that his identity as the bread of life, the one who feeds and sustains creation, is real, but they also serve to point to the truth that Jesus was God in human flesh, 
God come to live and move and be with God's creation. The problem is, though, I think, that sometimes these miracles, which were once used to shape and bolster belief, can actually sometimes be a stumbling block to that belief, at least sometimes. These miracles, which were used to, to point to the abundance of God, which stands in direct contrast to the scarcity of the world, can, for some, lead to a scarcity or skepticism of belief. This is likely because it can sometimes feel as if we are living in a world where there is a scarcity of the miraculous. It is not common these days to see someone walking on water. It is not a common occurrence to see water turned into wine or five barley loaves and two fish turned into a feast which has the capacity to feed 5,000 people and then some. The opposite, in fact, often seems to be true. Our realities can be marked by our sense of scarcity, and the perception of scarcity can be used as a tool to influence our behavior. All I have to do is think about just how many times I hit that buy now button on Amazon when I see that there are only a few items left in stock or just how many times I get sucked into purchasing something off of the 50 best items on Amazon that you need right now to make your life better. All I have to do is think about these tendencies in myself to know how my own perception of scarce resources and lack of material goods impacts my day-to-day -day life. And while my example is on a small and trivial scale, it illustrates the fact that scarcity can scare us. It produces fear and anxiety and prompt us to act or not act in ways that we would not have otherwise. It can pull us into hopelessness, into fear, into inaction. But in the midst of the very tangible reality of scarcity, in the face of the overwhelming fear that we are not enough or that we do not have enough of ourselves to offer, in the depths of our souls where we question whether all hope is lost, our gospel reading this morning reminds us that we are met with a God of abundance who calls us into the kingdom of God where all are fed and all are made whole who calls us into the kingdom of God where scarcity is met with abundance, where fear is met with joy. Jesus came to be with a people in a time and in a place where scarcity was an ever-present reality. There existed a limited amount of resources and a limited amount of liberty and freedom. People were spiritually and physically starving for more. They were oppressed by the Roman government and suffered under the weight of the influence and control of that government. But Jesus came to this people in this time, in this place, to teach and point to and create 
the abundance of God's healing and restorative love here on earth, even in what seemed like a hopelessly overwhelming situation. Jesus took the finite resources that one boy had, a meager meal for a poor person, and turned it into a feast for more than 5,000 people. Jesus then gave his finite human life so that all people in all times and in all places might be reconciled to God and enter into eternal life. But this story not only serves as a comfort to us as we contemplate and worry about our scarcity of resources, it also beckons us into action and calls us into a path of transforming that which is scarce into that which is abundant. Just as our boy in our gospel reading this morning was willing to give up his five meager barley loaves and two fish, for Jesus to transform into a feast. So too are we to give our own barley loaves and fishes. That is, we are called to give our passions, our talents, our love, and our compassion to God and to one another. Just as Jesus gave all he had to give, his whole finite and human life, so that God could turn the whole world order on its head. So too are we called to give ourselves, our lives and our bodies for the work of the kingdom. We are called to bring our whole selves to God and trust that God will make use of and multiply what we have given because that's how God works. That's how love works. That's how the kingdom works. Love is never halved, but always doubled. The little love and attention and care and compassion and grace that we are able to give to God and each other is never halved, but always doubled. It never decreases, but is multiplied by two and three and four just like those loaves and fishes those many years ago. God takes what we have to offer and multiplies it for the creation of the kingdom. Nothing is too little or too small for God to make use of. And that, my friends, is a true miracle. And it happens every single day. When we bring our finite selves to God and each other, what we offer is miraculously turned into something that is even more wonderful than anything that we could ask or imagine. We do not, thankfully, it turns out, have to solve the world's problems on our own, with our own finite resources, in our own finite bodies. We must merely be willing to show up to bring the loaves and the fishes that we have to offer and let God take care of the rest.